Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics Podcast. Welcome to 2024. Doug, college bowl season. I guess it's still got a little bit more to go, but it's coming to the end. Now, you know, there's something, there's a topic I'm going to bring up today that you're going to get a little scared by. So I can't decide if I'm going to do it at the beginning or at the end. You know, it's going to be at the end. Okay, so a little bit of a preview. Doug, this has been... This college bowl season has been sort of perfect for me. And I haven't done any external media throughout the whole thing. But this has been sports meets marketing meets mascots. And to me, the the winner of the 2023-2024 college bowl season is, I don't know, you need that kind of, what they call it? Drum roll, please. (laughs) You know, where they sort of need. Yeah, fully. Yeah. Has been the Kellogg's company. (laughs) <laughs> i didn't i didn't connect the dots that there was a common denominator between some of these uh, mascot showings we've seen uh, you didn't kellogg's kellogg's is the the brains behind this the genius behind I, the, I, the bowl season you know i've got too many windows open sort of bad bad preparation for the for the podcast but i had the list of bowls somewhere i had it somewhere here well, well oh here it is I can name them just based off of the mascots. Well, you know, when I was going, I was going through it, and you know, there was actually a Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. I missed that one. I think that's the real tell. <laughs> Kellogg's coming heavy to this situation, <laughs> right? I mean, it, that was uh, Notre Dame versus Notre Dame versus Oregon State and the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. But, you know, that's where you know, oh, the Kellogg's company has arrived. They've put – and for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, Kellogg's is the owner of Cheez-It and Pop-Tarts. <laughs> the two big hitters in bowl season. Well, and it makes me wonder, was there something that went down at the the Tony the Tiger Bowl that we don't even know about? Yeah, I, I feel like we would have heard about it because of the way social media works. Because I wasn't watching the Cheez-Its Bowl or the Pop-Tarts Bowl either way. And, and it's all I saw on my feed for a good week there. So Okay, now I think you were a bigger fan of what Pop-Tarts did than I was. So <laughs> yes. really present what Pop-Tarts did. So the mascot was a human Pop-Tart, a, a life-sized Six foot tall pop tart walking around dancing during the game. 
messing with the referees. Was I think you might have spanked. Obvious? Say what? Was the flavor obvious? No. I don't even remember the flavor. And <laughs> so anyway, he caused quite a scene during the game. Definitely got some people's attention. But after the game, when uh, w- the winning team was presented the trophy, they put the Pop-Tart man. Okay, timeout. <laughs> okay. Who won the game? Who were the teams? Was, it, was this one Kansas State? <laughs> a, I think it was Kansas State. What a perfect answer. Like, it doesn't even <laughs> – doesn't even a pop tart. It was the pop tart guy that won. The no, game. yeah, it could have been SMU. It could have been. It could have been North Dakota State. Like I, I, I could have cared less. Kansas State twenty-eight, North Carolina State nineteen. Okay, so and I remembered it. The Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. The iconic Camping World Stadium, <laughs> one of the landmark stadiums in college football that I haven't heard of before. But yeah, so he he goes up, and it was kind of a Han Solo maneuver. Well, you know, in Han in episode five, when he goes down and is turned into carbonite, you know, he's frozen. They ha- Except the Pop-Tart was going into a giant toaster. And then out of the toaster came an edible Pop-Tart, which was the sort of bull trophy for mm. Kansas State to devour. And that they did. Although I will say my critique was that they only ate the icing. The actual, the actual like, I don't know what to call it, like cookie uh, <laughs> was left unscathed. But the icing was devoured by a, a team of uh, Kansas State players. And what some would, two years ago, uh, probably point out as a super spreader event. Okay, so does that mean the Pop-Tart is, the Pop-Tart mascot is no longer with us? He is with those Kansas State players forever. <laughs> okay, so is there a... I think that's... I think that's how it works. Okay. As a Pop-Tart fan, is there a continuity problem if that mascot shows up next year? Well, I think we know his fate ahead of time next year, so it's not as thrilling. <laughs> but watching the the mascot go into a toaster and then come out not alive anymore and then be eaten by the, by the team was an all-time bowl moment. It, it Reminded me of, you know, there's all this talk over the last couple of weeks about these bowl games not mattering anymore outside of the playoff. It certainly feels that way as a fan. It feels like an exhibition. I've heard people liken it to the spring game. Uh, man, there's some silliness in bowl season that is unique to college football. And okay. that reminds you, these are kids playing a game for their school. This is a lot of fun. Let's, let's not take it too seriously. Let's eat a human Pop-Tart. Okay, but now... Okay, so this is beautiful marketing, right? Because somehow the Kellogg's company has put the Kellogg's company is supporting these exhibition games. And usually, I don't know, usually you see marketing and as a consumer, okay, so Doug, you know, you're on YouTube and you want to watch a video, a, a 30 second video, and YouTube makes you watch a 15 second ad for, you know, probably progressive insurance or nationwide insurance. Yeah, and I don't want to watch it. And you hate those companies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You you hate. I'm the, less likely to buy after seeing the ad. Yeah, marketer or and you know, yeah. Here, you just said the best moment of the bowl season was brought to us by Pop Tarts. <laughs> I think it was. It's that Super Bowl magic of the brands actually have a chance to create a real connection with the fans in a way that the fans enjoy and find. Uh, part of the entertainment it's, it was part of the entertainment for this unlike when i'm watching youtube and it is not part of the entertainment it is something that takes away from the entertainment that they actually 
you know, you can pay on YouTube to not watch ads. So they're kind of admitting that, hey, this is this is lessening your experience. You can pay to avoid it. With the Pop-Tart Bowl, nobody is paying to avoid the branding because the branding is the, it, it might be the highlight of, like I said, of the bowl season. It's what we came to see. And it's adding so much entertainment value to that that sport, whereas the game could have been a Georgia-Florida State game. It could have been a blowout. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter. People are glued to their television to see what happens to Mr. Pop-Tart. Okay, so it's the first time. It's like the equivalent of the first time someone goes, what's up? Or, or, <laughs> or there's a frog that starts ribbiting, right? It's, it's the first time. Is the bar now set? Are you going to tune in to the Pop-Tart Bowl next year? But is the bar now set where, oh, God, you know, the Pop-Tart better. You know, Pop-Tart should be recruiting that Oregon Duck kid. Well, here, here's my thing. We've been talking all year about BYU Cougar or Oregon Duck. Who's the better mascot? Because they've both had phenomenal years. Both of those mascots. Okay. Lots of viral moments. And it, in the last hour, the upset of the of the year <laughs> with the Pop-Tart guy. I think he jumped both of them. I mean, athletically, the BYU Cougar has him trumped. Yeah. Cosmo. Cosmo the Cougar. But Cosmo was, was not eaten by anybody (laughs) the oregon duck kid i think that was out there alone i don't think anyone was giving him direction right i mean you know some of the stuff he did he did probably wouldn't get past the corporate marketing masters right in terms of wasn't there some reference to you know some scene in gossip girl or something i don't know but he he certainly uh he's you're you're right he was on a pretty loose leash over in in, uh, but he was writing. His own, he was writing his own material. I think so. Pop- I think you've got like a future SNL. I think that's what I think. Like students that aspire to be SNL writers, I think that they should have to be the mascot at their school. Well, you know, Emory did a bit last year where they did a they introduced a fake major. Uh, <laughs> I think I talked about this. That fake major in terms of being a mascot, and my reaction was, "Hey, you know what? That Oregon Duck mascot, that Pop Tart mascot." There's some there's some real meaning to what those guys do in terms of the connections they can build. Right, it might be silly, but those connections are very very. I, I, look, I'm guessing if you're an Oregon student, the duck is one of the things you will be talking about 40 years from now. Even if you're, you're graduating 2023, literally, you might be talking about some of the stuff the duck did in 2063. Yeah. And and my my brother went to the Georgia Oregon game in Atlanta last year. Wow, that was just a year ago, or a little over a year ago. And all he could talk about, I mean, th- these were two top five, top ten teams. All he could talk about for a week after that game was how hilarious it was watching the Oregon Duck run onto the field. That was his favorite part. <laughs> I imagine there's a lot of six year olds that had the same takeaway. Uh, brother is actually a thirty year old. But nonetheless, it's age diverse reach for that particular mascot. I think the BYU Cougar probably has the same effect. And the Pop-Tart, again, capture the hearts of America. It made me wish, Mike, that when they moved to this 12-team playoff, that every game had some silly sponsor and that it wasn't taken so seriously. (laughs) I want to see the national champions eating out of a cereal bowl for the Fruit Loops national championship. Okay, but here's the here's the dilemma in all this. Here's the tough part. So then the cheese it 
ball or cheese it. Let me let me get this right. What is it? The cheese it. To me, it's the cheese it bowl, the one with the guy in the cheese it costume. <laughs> I know, but you know, there, there's always these. Like they kept the original bowl name, and then they throw cheese it in the front. Exactly, sponsored yeah. by cheese it. It's the cheese it citrus bowl. Okay, so they they got the name cheese it in front of citrus, and again. Think about the way these deals are done, and there, there's legitimately probably a negotiation at some point where it's like, well, we want cheese it in front of citrus, right? And but that's probably going to cost a little bit more than the churches, the citrus ball funded by cheese it. Now the right. character, and, and look, we don't even know the mysteries of all this. Might have been the same guy that was in the pop tart costume, right, Doug? Whoa, that's that is. <laughs> No one's seen him in the same place at the same time. Now, the Cheez-It guy was calling out the Pop-Tart guy. So the Cheez-It guy is trying to create a rivalry with the Pop-Tart guy. They might both be the same guy, and they are both sponsored by the same the, the same organization. So this is the equivalent of Kellogg's owns the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers and is calling themselves out. Rivalries <laughs> are important. <laughs> But I don't know. I think it's I think it's good marketing. I think like a musical musical parallel here. Sometimes you'll see like Drake and Kanye West get into some kind of public beef, right? And those guys, I don't think they're on the same record label, but in, I've seen it. I've seen instances like where there is some some common denominator. So yeah. let's say they're on the same record label and they get into some kind of beef. And it's public and they're, they're saying stuff or, or making songs about each other or whatever. And then one of them releases their album and the other one decides to release their album the next week or the same day. And they have a kind of public competition to see who's going to get more streams, determine who wins this. And if you're the record label, that is a win <laughs> because there's a lot of attention being drawn to that. And uh, you're getting a lot more listenership across the board. And I, I think that I've been kind of like critical about those types of things because it seems kind of fake to me. And obviously with Cheez-Its, it is fake. Like there's no questioning that. But from an entertainment standpoint, I, I think that they, they're not taking themselves too seriously, that their, cre- their brand voice has become, at least this bowl season, something very not self-serious, something very goofy, something that, uh, you know, is playful. And and I think that uh, anything playful they can do with it is a win. And I, I think that, like, I think that they should market around it. Like, I think that they should be promoting, like, tailgating with Cheez-Its for that. Like, every fan of the team, like, you know, the more Cheez-Its you eat, the more likely you are to win kind of thing. Because I think that, you know, there is something there. And Obviously, got a lot of eyeballs, a lot of attention, but I think the likability kind of skyrocketed uh, from my, f- from everyone I've talked to or that's talked to me about it. And so it seems like as much a joke as Emory might be making about mascot major, there is power in mascots and in, you know, brand mascots as well as team mascots. And, and we've seen that this bowl season and it's added a lot of fun to what can sometimes become a little bit too much of a profession in college football now with with the current structure. Well, I'll say this, you know, and, and it's interesting that Kellogg's is the company that went down this path because Kellogg's has, you know, they've got a lot of these brands where they have a mascot that's essentially personified the brand, right? Yeah. It's, and so you, know, you got snap, crackle, snap, 
Crackle and Pop, Tony the Tiger, right? These things, these, and look, the marketing used to have a lot of this kind of stuff. You know, there was, you know, Charlie the Tuna, Mr. Whipple for Charmin, right? Kind of building that person for the consumer or the fan to have a relationship with. Now, the one I want to bring up, because I think it's actually the new granddaddy, assuming this is a trend, the granddaddy of them all in terms of this new age bowl phenomena has got to be something that is a lot of fun, but it's also something that is absolutely disgusting to probably 30 to 50% of the population. And that's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I, I thought that's probably where you were going with that. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty disgusting. I went to the uh, went to an opening game in the season that was sponsored by Dukes, and they had they kept panning to you know people in the student section that were eating Dukes mayo uh, out of a bowl like it was ice cream, but binge eating it, eating it very fast. They would cut to them on. Can you imagine the brand manager at some point going, "I got an idea. Let's gross them out. We love our product. We think." <laughs> But a lot of people find our product repulsive. Let's lean into that. <laughs> See, I like it. Just own it. Own that. I'm trying to think. There's, there's, anytime there's like a food sponsored game, which I feel like is most of them, right? Oh, they're all over the place. Here's Surf Pro, Quick Lane, whatever that is. Yeah. Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii Bowl. SRS, I love these things. SRS distribution, you know, who knows what it is. <laughs> Adventures Bowl, famous Idaho potato bowl. So, I mean, hopefully. I think the, like the potato bowl, they should have a potato launcher and the winning team gets to like shoot it into the crowd. I would shoot potatoes. Have, I would have about 30 versions of the potato mascot there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, there's a, there's a Myrtle Beach Bowl. Celebration Bowl, New World. I feel like some of these are a little bit too generic. I almost feel like the more... Scooter's Coffee. How about this RoofClaim.com Bowl? I mean, I, you know... <laughs> Military Bowl, Duke's Mayo, Texas Bowl. Like some of these some of these are just... I think Pop-Tarts is probably my favorite. I'm going down the list right now. Tax- Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl is great. There's Tax Act and tax slayer so we got some competition there they should you know figure out a way to make that more of a rivalry coach you just won the game what are you going to do to celebrate i'm gonna go pay my taxes in two hours with turbotax.com i I think there should always be some kind of like tie-in like that well you know what one of the things i love about all this as a straight marketing guy is i love when the i love the effort to hold on to the historical brand (laughs) where where it's made out like oh you know we've got this historical thing that is is part of the college football tradition you know it's something that has been built over generations and i always think you know well that's really kind of the that's the rose bowl right the rose bowl isn't going to put they're not going to put pop charts in front of rose bowl but you know what they did do it's the rose bowl game presented by prudential which is which is like a classy it feels it doesn't feel like it's diluting the brand of the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and in parallel to that it was the CFP semifinal at the All-State Sugar Bowl. So it's you know it's an irresistible 
I, I think people have got to admit at this point that you know sports has become addicted to sponsorship dollars, or as I think they want to call them these days, partnerships. And so it's inevitable that these things have got to go have got to go down. I guess there is sort of a question of how do you do it? What is the right way to do it? Do you go all out and just you know you got the Kellogg bowls that are just having fun with it, the Duke Mayo bowls? Do you try and preserve some of the tradition of the Rose Bowl? I'm not. I'm not. And especially t- in this I'll- area, Doug, where the college football playoff is everything, and the rest of it is just an ad platform. You know, I, See, I I'll I'll take back what I said earlier about doing all the bowl games this way. Let's say like next year, the twelve. I guess the the first couple playoff games those aren't even those aren't even bowl games next year. They're like they play at at a home stadium of one of the teams. But when you get into the I guess the top four, it becomes bowl, like the Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, whatever. I think they should keep those because it feels feels like there's some prestige there, you know. <laughs> but for everything else, it's like the NIT now, you know. But they make it way more fun than the NIT. Like as a Georgia fan, losing to Alabama was no fun. Not playing in the college football playoff was no fun. But having this bowl game where it was like, this game doesn't really matter. It's kind of an exhibition. But also, it's a lot of fun. Like, our kids are having fun. The I mean, of course, it wasn't as fun for the other team. But it's a lot of fun. It's just it's football for the sake of football. That's bowl games, I think, at this point that aren't playoff games. It's the NIT. But it's like, let's get silly. Let's You know, the kids are going on vacation. They're going to the beach. They're going bowling. They're going, they're riding rides at Disneyland. Or Disney World. And so, like, let's just embrace the fun side of football and make it less of a professional product and more of like a Savannah Bananas product for the for these NIT type football games. And I think that that I think that that works. I think it worked for me this year. I enjoyed the bowl season a lot more than I have in previous uh, playoff years. Well, Doug, here's a follow up question for you then. Okay, so you take 12 out, you take the remaining. I don't know, 16 or 24 teams that are sort of, you know, bowl eligible. Do you run a counter tournament? The NIT of football? I mean, I think it could be fun. (laughs) (laughs) I think it could be fun. Florida State and Georgia would have had something to play for, maybe. I mean, as far as like the number of opt-outs in that game, Oregon Oregon would have had a shot. You know, it would have been fun. I think that the match, it would have gotten us a lot of great matchups like i think georgia all year i thought georgia oregon were going to play in the playoff and i thought it would have been a really fun game you know and and it it could have been liberty would have had a chance to upset a team like florida state or a team like you know a big blue blood like it it would have been entertaining people would have tuned in for that i think okay so college football bowl games were you know doug i i think the college football season was a lot of fun i enjoyed Uh, it i enjoyed it and like again coming from a guy who's well, let me just say, Deion Sanders in Colorado. Yeah, it was. I'm going to call this the ad platform bowl series to end the season. <laughs> there was a lot of good. Uh, college football was has probably been more fun for me this year than the NFL. More compelling stories throughout the entire season. It's Yeah, it feels more fun. The NFL is a better pro. It's better football. But for whatever reason, it's not as much fun. College has this level of unpredictability. And I was talking to someone about this yesterday because there's a lot of talk amongst like amongst Florida State fans amongst probably Oregon fans I know like firsthand Georgia fans that feel like we might have been the best team and we feel gypped we feel robbed we feel like we should have been in 
and you you start talking in what ifs, you know, well, if we had had all of our guys healthy, and we, we hear this every year from whoever doesn't win it. The bottom line with college sports, it's in single elimination formats, and it's the same with the NFL in, in the playoffs, but in single elimination formats, it's very rare that the best team wins. The team who has the best season wins the championship. That's what seven-game formats do. That's what the World Series is really good at. That's what the NBA Finals is really good at, finding and, and allowing the best team to show that they are, in fact, the best team. With single elimination, there is a level of unpredictability that makes it fun, that makes it exciting, that makes it, you know, like Alabama really having a rough year by their standards and then beating Georgia, that was a thrill for them. And then for, you know, Michigan doing what they did, of course, Washington, another team, like they were pretty much in elimination games with Oregon twice and won those. And then, I mean, having those elimination games pretty much every game when you're facing top teams adds a level of excitement and entertainment. And, and I think you just have to embrace it if you're a college football fan. You have to embrace that. My team, the years that we win might not be the years where we're the best team. And the years where we, we might lose when we are the best team. I think there have been several. I think about my New York Giants winning the Super Bowl against the 17-0 Patriots. That team does not win a seven-game series. That team doesn't win a three-game series against the Patriots. But it was the most fun I've ever had watching sports. And I think that that's what these single elimination tournament formats provide for fans. And again, I think that it, it is a very fun product. I think it was a great year for college football. And the narrative that college football is dying, I don't like a lot of things about the changes that are happening, but I think it's just changing because I think that the attention is still there and the excitement is still there. And it doesn't feel like that's going away, even though there's elements of the league structure that a lot of people aren't super excited about. Doug, and that's where I wanted to go sort of as a second half of this. So a lot of fun, a lot of media fun, right? I mean, you know, like I said, Deanna in Colorado, that was a great three-week story. I mean, it, it just was, right? These well, guys. But we were talking playoff. We were talking about him leaving to go coach oh, at Alabama. They were going <laughs> – look, they were going one-two in the high and They were, you know. But Yeah. Look, but I, look, I'm going to – I do think there are some significant cracks in college football and, and like the but college football is probably healthier than the vast majority of, of sports and professional sports at this point. Look, I'll give you one. And then, then we sort of get into something else here. Yeah. If Deion Sanders is the coach of Florida state, I don't think Florida State is left out of the college football playoff because Deion Sanders has the ability to go sit with Stephen A. Smith for three weeks every morning blasting the selection committee. And so the reality of the power of the brands and Dion is a brand is something very real to all this. Okay. Now what I want to say, okay. So again, you know, you, you alluded to some of it, a lot of these guys opting out for their NFL, the transfer portal starts to heat up instantly. And so NIL, the transfer portal, you know, the, the other story that, you know, sort of came out and, and you sent me the link of these guys talking about it on ESPN of Milrose NIL brand of Lank. Lank. <laughs> and <laughs> let a naysayer, and, and again, I, I, I <laughs> no, this is what I'm saying. Why I need a, an audio guy. Let a naysayer <laughs> know because 
immediately, that is every comment on Twitter. Okay, so two things happen immediately. Pat McAfee just starts laughing. And as he starts laughing or starts investigating, the other guys on the panel start laughing. Every comment on social media is talking about naysayer versus naysayer and the hard R. And so, I mean, it's like, so the the, the great thing is we now have a kind of a, a marketing NIL story that you need precise audio to discuss I was what I'm sort of shocked about in terms of all of this, and and look, I was close to ordering a Lank mug just for the I didn't <laughs> show up. Was that this is going down at, at Alabama? Because if I'm if I'm Coach Saban, man, I don't want to I don't want to get anywhere near this kind of thing. No, no. And you look back at uh, Justin Fields at Georgia, and. When, when he left and, and claimed racism as a reason for leaving and was give, granted a hardship waiver by the NCAA. Those states obviously are, have their stereotypes and anything that might reinforce them or, or create the perception of uh, culture that within or surrounding the football program is uh, really, really uh, risky. I mean, you're, you're skating on thin ice. Uh, <laughs> and to be frank, Mike, after that game, I, I saw some things on social media comments about that particular player some of it was fun and, and lighthearted and, and kind of you know like Alabama's going to be linked number four after this or, or they're going to be linked behind Georgia or or the center was the, the weak link on the team so lots of lots of link puns but it, it did open the door for some discussions surrounding that particular player by, by fans who weren't happy with him and you know it's not a good thing if i'm the football coach i'm want to steer away from that in any way that i can so this is where we're gonna go like the the idea of uh, what i also see that dj ugalele is trans <laughs> young <laughs> yeah sorry you know, I, you- I will fully admit to being name challenged and it's always <laughs> one of the things that scares me the most that's here. what i'm here for <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Whenever we talk about the center for the Milwaukee Bucks, right? I just say Giannis. Oh, yeah. yeah, Giannis. <laughs> that, you know, we're, but I think this is an important story in terms of, you know, we've had NIL shifting where people were going to go co- in co- coinciding with the transfer portal, but we're now going to start developing controversial brands is again going to take this to somewhere to somewhere else. And it's, and again, college football has been a lot of fun this year, but there's some frightening stuff. If you're looking at the industry in terms of the ability of players for things to just sort of run amok. But like I said, you know, like I think for me, Doug, college sports was the best product on the field and on the TV this, this past, this past year, it was, it was the winner. And I'm saying this as a, a fan of a team that is no, that is barely competitive and his future prospects in Illinois do not look particularly solid given that how the landscape te- keeps changing, but yeah. a lot of fun, but God, some big question marks. Yeah. And we can have another discussion uh, future weeks, but I, I feel like, that Big Ten versus SEC rivalry gained some steam this year going into the the mega conference season, you know, first inaugural one next year. Bama losing to Michigan and then Washington making the college football playoff finale 
over Texas. So that was that was two Big Ten future Big Ten teams over future SEC teams. And, and I've seen a lot of chatter about real you know, that SEC's overrated. <laughs> okay, short one this week. As always, more content at fandomanalytics.com. Thank you.